welcome to episode 60, 60, wow, 60 episodes of From the Shed End Podcast with myself, T, that was always, and I'm joined by Theo. So first and foremost, how are you doing, Theo? Yeah, football side, I had a, an amazing 10 days abroad in the sun. Um, about to lose my tan probably here in London as it's kind of grey out there right now. But um, yeah, like I said, football aside, I've had a really good time and can't complain. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um yeah, it's been it's been okay. It's been not 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 too bad, but um, yeah, you know, obviously, football aside, it's been it, it disheartening watching the Arsenal game. But um, yeah, apart from that, no, it's been good. It's been good, you know, uh, enjoying the half term, kids, all of that stuff. But, chocolate yeah, eggs, I'm sure. Chocolate eggs, chocolate. yeah. Easter egg hunts, chocolate eggs. It feels like ages ago Easter. It was only what Sunday, Sunday. But yeah, just the usual with kids. But um. As always, guys, if you're listening on Spotify, we do have a YouTube channel. The subscribers, I asked for 50 subscribers by, I think it was by Sunday, by the cup final, uh, this FA Cup semi-final. We got to 50, we got 52 now, which is brilliant. Um, our views are going up slowly as well. So we do appreciate everyone that is um, subscribed. If you're not, please make sure you smash the subscribe button and the like button and let us know your thoughts as well in the comments. And yeah, of course, let's get straight into it because I think, We've got a, a couple couple games to talk about. Let's let's go all the way back to last weekend, Crystal Palace FA Cup semi final, very cagey game. Um, give me your thoughts initially. I know you was away, I think, at the time, but give me your thoughts on on the game. I thought first half was pretty lackluster. If I'm completely honest, we didn't really show much grit or much much fight. Palace probably had the best chance in that first half. If I'm not mistaken. I think Joachim Anderson hitting the post. Second half, we woke up. We did really, really well. I felt um, both goals were, were pretty, pretty good. If I'm honest, from Loftus Cheek, brilliant strike from him. I know it took a deflection, but we have to remember that's his first goal of the season. And you could tell how much the celebrations, by the celebrations, what it meant to him. Mason Mount got the second goal. Uh, I think Timo Werner, some really good work from Timo Werner, and uh, build up to that goal. Um, but no, when you look at look at the scoreline, two 0 against Palace in the semi final. And I think I did mention a while back how I thought Palace would be really up for this one, given the date trip to Wembley. They don't get there as often as maybe a Chelsea, a City, a United, those type of teams. So I thought they'd be really up for it. And scoring two against them, clean sheet, I thought that was a really, really impressive scoreline. Um, we saw that the, the game at Selhurst Park back, I think, in February, how tricky that was. We did a last-minute winner from Hacking Ziyech to, to get the three points. I was kind of expecting more of the same in that semi-final. But the fact, like I said, we scored two in what was a relatively comfortable second half um, was, was very pleasing. I thought maybe we could bounce back after that kind of disappointment of Real Madrid. I know the Real Madrid performance was really, really good, but I thought we could bounce back from the whole kind of overall tie. And uh, we did, but then bloody Wednesday's game... Um, put that all in the bin um so i'm sure we're going to talk about that later unfortunately but but yeah um it was a pleasing performance and we're in a final now which um third year in a row so let's hope this time we can actually win it and i don't have to make that miserable walk back to wembley park tube station after a defeat the curse the curse, curse. that has been theo for a, a while but no i think you're i think you're right you're not <coughs> excuse me i thought you was um you were spot on i thought it was always going to be difficult going up against the Crystal Palace team that didn't really have nothing to lose. You know, if they go out, they go out with pride. They got to the semi-final. They actually started the game, I thought, 
a lot better than we did in the first half. I thought they had the better chances as well. But, you know, it came at a cost. You know, we've lost Mateo Kovacic now for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I think Thomas Tuchel said earlier, earlier in the week, it's expected around two weeks that he'll be out for. It's a big loss. It's a big loss. And we, we got to, we will touch on Arsenal shortly, but we got to see how important Mateo Kovacic is, is, is in that midfield at the moment. I'd arguably say he's probably our best midfield player that we've got at the moment. The way that Angolo Kante has been playing, the way that Jorginho has kind of been in and out of the team as well. It does show a lot of what Kovacic has been doing for us. But I thought the goal, I mean, Ruben, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, we spoke about him, I think, in the, the previous two episodes around, you know, I was one of the people saying, you know, is his time up at Chelsea? Should he should he move on? And I know you was a big believer and still are a big believer that, you know, he's still got a role to play. And it's kind of these games where, you know, he, he turns up, he, get, he gets a goal, deservingly as well. Put in a brilliant performance, you know, a brilliant performance off the back of, you know, you think back to Southampton, you've Real Madrid, those two big, big games, big game, big That's performances. And then to, to go into a game against Crystal Palace at Wembley, mass, massive game for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. No, I'd have to agree. Um, like you mentioned, his performances at the Bernabeu and uh, away to South Half- Southampton were really, really promising. And you just felt like he deserved the goal on the back end of those games. The score at a semi um, against his former club, he went down alone as well in a semi final at Wembley in the FA Cup. Was um, was really, really uh, he deserved deservingly. And the finish was brilliant as well. I felt I think it was a really underrated finish. Yes, it took a deflection, like I mentioned earlier, but the technique to kind of get down and volley that ball. I put power on it as well beyond the keeper's reach was really impressive. I'm kind of hopeful now that that goal will trigger something and he can score a couple more before the end of the season and unlock that 2019 form he had under Maurizio Sarri. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it did come at a cost um, with Matteo Kovacic, but before we move on to the Arsenal game, Liverpool in the final, May the 14th, it's almost a part two of the league cup early this this season but I, I'm confident I'm really confident that we can beat Liverpool we, we I mean you think back to every game Anfield mm-hmm. Stamford Bridge the League Cup final we were the better team we were the better team and, and mm. we didn't we didn't get battered we didn't get hammered you know you, sometimes you see Liverpool very much like they did against the Manchester United in, earlier in, in the week you know they, they, they seem to just manhandle teams but they don't seem to do that with Chelsea I think Bar the fact we had 10 men at Anfield for the best part of 45 minutes plus, you know, stoppage time or whatever. Even in the game against uh, the FA, the League Cup final in, in uh, at Wembley, we were the better team. We shouldn't have lost that game. I think that's a, a, a fact. You know, it was an offside. We, we've, we've all had our, you know, we've all, all had our, our moans and groans about that. But Liverpool are beatable. And I think sometimes they are probably the best team in, in, in Europe. We have to say they're one of the best, but they're beatable. They really are. I don't know what you think about our chances in the FA Cup, the final. You know what was what's our chances of beating Liverpool? No, like like you mentioned, all three games we played against them this season, I felt like we were the better team. Played at Anfield, forty five minutes with ten men, and we've defended really, uh, really valiantly in that second half. Stanford Bridge and at Wembley, they should have been down to ten men. I don't know what VAR VAR probably wasn't functioning those two days because. I think it was Mane elbowing Aspi, Cater stamping on Chiloba. Like you said, we moan and groan about these decisions a lot on, the, on this podcast, but we're, we're rightful to, we're allowed to do that because they were they were shocking. And I feel like there's going to be more controversy in that final. It is Liverpool. You know what happens when Liverpool play. 
But they are, they do have some vulnerabilities. We saw that against them. Benfica in the Champions League conceding three at Anfield. I feel like if um, if Havertz, Lukaku, Bounce, whichever front three plays Werner now that he's on form, uh, find a bit of a bit of a dynamism and kind of link up play between all of them, we will kind of unlock that defence. I do feel like, and we did do that at times at Wembley. I remember, and particularly in that end of that second uh, first half at Stamford Bridge. So I do like you. I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm, I'm optimistic, um, but at the same time. It's Chelsea, it's a final, it's an FA Cup. We haven't been lucky in these recent finals. We haven't been lucky against Liverpool. So I feel like it may be a question of who's the luckiest team on the day, potentially. But all we can do is just play our best football and hope that we can we can get the some silverware to finish the season. Yeah. And, and we forget, you know, we, we you know, I obviously done my, my match reaction to the Arsenal game, gave player ratings, which I, I look back on now and I feel was a bit harsh. But... We forget we have had some silverware already this season. We look at the, the Club World Cup and go back as far as the Super Cup, whether you want to class that as you know last season success or this season, but it's still you know played as, as part of this season for me. But we've had some good successful times already this season. I think if we can get top four, maybe an FA Cup, I think it's been an, an, an okay season. I wouldn't you know scream from the rooftops about it, but I think based on how we've played, I think it was 55 games, Thomas Tuchel said earlier on today, the fact that we've had a lot of injuries, COVID issues, we've had to play through COVID as well. It's been a half decent to get to the final. Yes, we might have had an easier, if that's the right word, an easier run to the final than some of the other teams. I think that was one of the things a lot of people mentioned at the weekend was, you know, we played a, no disrespect to them, but a lot of lower league teams to get to the final. But you got to play what's in front of you. And I think, you know, if we'd faced any of the other teams, I'm sure we would have just given as much as we did against the Luton or a, a Plymouth or Chesterfield. It's just... It's just a look at the draw, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, you can only play what's in front of you. We played Middlesbrough, who we have to remember knocked out both United and Tottenham. So we just had to play what was in front of us and we're in the final now. We had, I think, it was a very tough run to the final. I can't remember if it was last season or the season before. I think we played Leicester, United. Then I think last season it was City in the semis. So we haven't had it easy in the past, but maybe it's about time we get a bit of luck of the draw. But, um, but no, I think we just have to give it all in that final. It's our last kind of way of getting some kind of redemption out of this season because I don't think it will be a successful season if we lose the FA Cup final and maybe we drop to fourth uh, uh, rather than third because I think now that we're third, we want to stay there, particularly when you look at what's below us and how you know big the rivalry is with those teams. It would be embarrassing for our fan base and we know, like we always say, the kind of banter on the WhatsApps and the Twitters will be hard for us Chelsea fans to take. So... Um, yeah, I think top top three. I want to say and FA Cup, and I won't I won't be particularly chuffed like I was maybe last season when we won the Champions League, of course. But at this stage of the season, given the circumstances, we'll take it. Let's let's move on to to Wednesday night. Yeah, <laughs> to to be honest, I, I I'm I'm still not over it. I, I haven't. I tried to watch uh, Burnley Southampton last night. I just couldn't. I couldn't even get into it, but. Yeah, let's let's start off with let's start off with the lineup because I think it did surprise a few people. Melangsar over Chalabar, um, Lukaku back in the team. It was I mean some of them were forced. Obviously Rudiger, Kovacic not being in the team, you you would expect a couple of changes. But just give me your thoughts on the lineup that Thomas Tuchel went with, especially against Arsenal, who you know we haven't had the best record against. 
you, I think I mean, you said earlier, you know, we, we gift, we gifted, we're going to gift him. You said charity FC. So, yeah. you know, give, give me your thoughts on, on uh, the lineup. I think I can understand why Tuchel wants to rotate. We've got a game midweek, a game every weekend now, probably till the end of the season, two games a week. We need to rotate. We can't afford more injuries like we have with Kovacic and Rudiger. But I think the changes that he made showed that he didn't respect the opponent. It was complacent. It was arrogance. So I think he's a good player. Is he good enough to start at home against Arsenal in the, in the Premier League? No, he's not. Like you mentioned, I would much rather Chaloba. I know that Chaloba's had his ups and downs this season, but I think he's a better ball-playing defender and he shows a lot more reassurance as well because I think Salah, particularly when he was on a yellow card in that second half, he was playing like a headless chicken, making rash decisions, rash mistakes. And I just knew that he probably, I thought he was going to get sent off. He probably should have got sent off at one stage, but um, that was a bit shocking. I felt like what really worried me, how he started off and his defensive mistakes we made, was that as soon as you take Rudiger, Silva, and maybe Kovacic out of that team, there's no spine to it. There's no kind of, every time the ball is sent into the penalty box, it looks like we're going to concede a goal. I don't know. It just felt like it was, I mean, yeah, Arsenal were shambolic defensively as well, but we were, we were worse than them. And that's why we conceded four. We gifted, I'd say three of those four goals were gifted to Arsenal easily. And it seems to be the story of when we, every time we play Arsenal at home, last season, Jorginho passing it back to Kepa, then Smith Rowe just tapped it in. The season before that, I think Kante slipped in that game that Arsenal claimed they won, but it, you have to remember it was a 2-2 draw. It's, it's really frustrating. And I think probably we're the same, but it's that one game a season, maybe alongside Liverpool, we just want to win. We, we just hate losing it because we know that a lot of our people in our friend groups are Arsenal fans, maybe Liverpool fans, but it's that one that you just know that they're going to talk about for ages, whereas we're just kind of, we expect that win, but it's such a frustrating defeat. And I think the lineup probably, I knew it from the off that I wasn't as probably optimistic as a lot of other Chelsea fans before the lineup and after, even more so after I saw the lineup. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I was. I was surprised to see Malang Saar. I'm trying to think of the best performance Malang Saar's had at Chelsea. Probably one of those games where we played four at the back and he was left back, yeah. I think, maybe. He did well against Brentford, I think, at, in the Premier League. Yeah. Away. But yeah, you're right. He's, other than that, he's been a bit up and down. Yeah. I, I just I, I just think, why would you have... I mean, to me, Chalib was putting some man-in-the-match performances when before he got injured. Think back to the League Cup. You mentioned the League Cup final. He was playing well and he deserves, for me, he deserves a chance to be in that team ahead of Melanxar. Christensen, I mean, I, I, I was critical when, when, I was, when, when he made his mistake and I was in my match, my match um, reaction as well. But it's just schoolboy. It's schoolboy defending. It's things that are preventable. We can prevent these things from happening. The moment our Arsenal go 1-0, we're chasing the game. We're chasing a game with players that not necessarily are the level and standard that we need at Chelsea. You look at, um, like we mentioned, you know, Melanxar, Lukaku up front. And I don't want to penalise Lukaku. I thought he actually had a half-decent game. He just didn't, there was just nothing. I mean, he, he, the thing with Lukaku, he makes, sometimes he makes the right run and he doesn't receive the service, he doesn't get the right ball. But there's some time as well, you've got to do a lot of that that hard work yourself. You've got to do the legwork yourself. And he, he just doesn't do it. He's just too static and he just doesn't move like a number. He just doesn't move like a striker. So, yeah, you know, the, the first goal, I thought all four could have been avoided. Um, you know, I thought 
that Enketia, you know, to even beat Christensen the way he did in that one v one, and the second goal, so it's almost comical. The, the sort of Kante and Saar getting mixed up, and Mendy should be doing Mendy. better as a goalkeeper. We be, yeah, we need to talk about Mendy as well. He's got. I mean, the, the, going back to the first goal, it's avoidable because even if Christensen, who has just got a, a simple pass back to the goalkeeper, if he doesn't. Mendy should be thinking, right, he's not, the ball isn't coming towards me. Even if you come out and you just close, you make it more difficult for Enketia to, to get past Melangsar. Um, Melangsar should be doing better. It's just, there's no, it's almost like there was no, everyone thought that some somehow this ball was going to get back to Mendy. And it was just, it was just comical. Um, Smith Rose goal, avoid, I think the ball starts off. <laughs> We have possession of the ball. We're, we're attacking. We lose the ball. I think Alonso gets nutmegged. I think it's Xhaka. We lose the ball. We end up on our backpedaling. And somehow we just sit sixes and sevens. And it's just, again, Mendy. I mean, he goes the, down in slow mode, doesn't he? He's not a full stretch. The, 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 the thing you sent me in WhatsApp was the robot, the much, robot diving yeah, like this. It's uh, pretty much what Mendy was doing. He's done it quite often this season, but more so. I mean, that is, he didn't even attempt to save the ball. He just goes down and just looks looks at the ball yeah. going past That's him. the annoying thing keepers do when they get down on their knees rather than dive. And they just do that yeah, weird like slide thing to the, they just like kind of swift, swift their body to the side. It's pointless. Just it was pointless. Get down and get down and dive for it. And I feel like had he dived, he's, he's almost two meters. He would yeah. have definitely got a fingertip to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I kind of do feel... That two call. I mean, he definitely got it wrong. A hundred percent, he got it completely wrong. Um, did he do it as a almost like a Pep tactic, ta- tactically like Pep? <sighs> I, I'll let you answer. What What do you think? Do you think he? Uh, I mean, it's one of those ones where had had we beat Arsenal three or four nil, or even God beat them one nil with a clean sheet, would have said, "Oh, two call masterclass. What a what a lineup!" You know, we pulled it off with Saar, Christensen, and so on. But the fact we didn't, it's egg on Tuchel's face now, and it looks bad. And mm. It's, he's overthought things maybe he was complacent and arrogant I felt but I don't think even Pep Tactical probably wouldn't have defended like we did so um, that's the difference probably right now with us and Man City is school ball defending Sunday league defending defensive mistakes gifting gifting goals to the opposition Man City don't do that Man City certainly don't do that I think what it showed me as well was the fact that I remember saying at the start of the season or maybe back in the last season, we do have depth in the squad. And I remember saying... <laughs> we we both said it, yeah. We've got depth. I mean, we still, we do. We've got a lot of players out on loan. The problem is we don't have the quality. So we've got the depth. We don't have the quality. You look at maybe Man City, you know, they could probably put out two 11s to an extent. Liverpool, mm. not so much, but they've got enough on their bench, especially now they've got Diaz and Jota, who they Canate, can switch around. Canate, Canate. Um, you know, even um, Gomez, you know, you think about Gomez, they've still got um, Matip, Van Dijk, they've got maybe even left back, you know, they've got um, Simakas, who can play there now, ahead of Robertson, you know, maybe Trent, maybe Trent's the only one where they, they would probably struggle if they lost him, but they, I think Gomez can play there as well. They've got players that can swap over and it doesn't really impact how they play. Whereas when we do that, 
I mean, we Alonso, Melanxa, Timo Werner, that left side, it was it was it was disgusting to watch. It really was. There was just enough. I mean, Arteta picked up on it. If you notice, the Saka was just running running the show down the left side. He was having a field day. Um, I wanted to talk about Saka and Aspiaqueta because I think it was a very very soft. I think it was a penalty. I do. Um, it was a hundred percent soft, and probably the reason I think it's a penalty because if you look at the position that Aspiaqueta's in, he's not attempting to get this ball at all. He's his objective is to he's stop. He's not even looking at the ball, is he? <laughs> he's not, and it's soft. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a very soft penalty to to give. I'm annoyed that it was given. I'm annoyed. I don't. I can't remember if VAR was checked. It was. It was checked, but he didn't go to the screen. It didn't even look like there was a review. They usually mention yeah. VAR in review no that yeah. wasn't even on the on our tv screen so i reckon so, the ref was quite what, sure what's your, what was your thoughts though did you think it was a, a initially it was a penalty or do you look back on it now and say well you know saka had that spearquetta's arm vice versa it's a it's a 50 50 did he i mean he went for me he went down easily because he knew he was going to get a penalty yeah i think it was just part of the game as he was at boiling point, he was frustrated. It's not what you'd expect from your captain and such an experienced player like him, but it was a penalty. But I completely agree, it was soft. It was soft. I think had it been 2-2 and I was the winning goal, I'd be fuming. I'd be absolutely fuming, but because it didn't really change the final scoreline or the impact, the actual results of the game, I'm not that fast. I'm not that fast. And it was a pen, I think. You look at, like you said, his positioning, where he's looking at, where Saka is compared to Aspia, where the ball is, which is played behind the two of them. And I did see it in the corner of my eye when the ball was put into the box and I was thinking, oh shit, yeah, that's going to be a penalty. Yeah. And then as soon as like that penalty was awarded, I got out of the sports box I was watching at the airport, <laughs> straight to the, the terminal for my, for my flight. And then it was all a blur from there and on the fight, flight. And it didn't really help that the air steward was an Arsenal fan either asking me for the score. Oh man. That didn't help either. That really didn't <laughs> help. Yeah. I, I mean, we haven't mentioned really the goals that we scored. I mean, Lucky for Timo Werner. One thing I do want to speak about Timo Werner around is the fact that he seems a lot more confident. And I said in the match reaction that I don't think, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he would have even attempted to take that shot on, um, albeit with the deflection that it, it, it did have as well. But I just don't think he he would have taken that shot on. The confidence seems to be there. I'm, ho- I'm hoping we can hopefully see, you know, the next couple of weeks, we can see the best out of Timo Werner. Brilliant pre-season and kickstart the season. Next season with just as much confidence and and drive from Timo Werner, I think is key. Him and Havertz are the two key players that we need to to focus on in our attack now as well. But what was your thoughts on both goals, not just Timo Werner's, but I mean, Cesar Spiriqueta scored a, a striker's goal, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, I thought both goals were brilliant. I mean, like you said, a bit of luck with Werner's deflection, but the confidence it took to, for him to shoot from that kind of angle or that um, that range showed that he's, he's full of confidence at the moment for... A goal or an, a goal or an assist in his last four games, if I'm not mistaken. And as for his goal, the timing of the run was perfect, and the finish as well. You know, first touch finish, absolutely brilliant. Um, haven't really fully watched it again. If I'm really honest, I don't want to really watch like, the highlights of that game again. But from what I remember, it was a pretty neat finish, um, type of thing you'd expect from a Havertz or a Mount. So credit to him. But then he lost his head in the second half. Um, you know, I was really pleased when I saw Aspie on the score on the score sheet, but I was thinking to myself, is this the same Aspie that we're used to, you know, getting into b- almost scuffs with fans, giving away mm. probably what was the cheapest penalty to give away. But but yeah, I think that goal, that's what I can credit Aspie for, was that goal was 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 well taken. Yeah. I mean, uh 
I almost agreed with the fan in that situation to an extent. Uh, sorry, the player in that situation yeah. um, with Aspie. You know, I think he's 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 well within his rights. I think you know, I, I think we've, we've we've got into this world now where social media plays a massive part, and people feel like they can just say anything to players. Um, and yes, they're there. They're there to do a job. They're there to you know they're they're expected to get criticism. But I think it's how you do it. I think you've got to you know just Thank hurling goodness. abuse at someone and, and just shouting me. I was reading that yesterday about Harry Maguire and, and the, the sort of bomb thing at his house and just the level of understanding of how far to go. And if you're going to hurl abuse at a player, you've got to almost expect the same back. You've got to expect that backlash. I do think he was just, a, it was a bad game. Almost taught me back to the the sending off. I think it was against Aston Villa last season. Um, it was just out of character for, for Cesar Spiaqueta. I think he got sent off um, in that game. And it just makes me wonder now, are we at a point where we need to, and I said this in the match reaction, are we at a point where we, I mean, I don't want to see Aspiaqueta leave it anytime soon, you know, but are we at the point where he comes on from the bench? He's still got a massive role to play. You know, we know Reese James hopefully will be in, in that right wing back position for the next couple of years. We've got some talented defenders, maybe bringing another couple of new faces over the summer. But is it a case of maybe Aspiaqueta, 100% for me, can't play right wing back? It's a, it's a, tiring, it's a tiring position, a tiring role to, to play. Right yeah. centre back, I don't know, but what's your thoughts? Is he is he still good enough? I suppose to to make the the eleven week in week out for, for Chelsea. I mean, he's our club captain. It's kind of very harsh to just get rid of your club captain like that. And what he'll provide off the pitch is so so valuable. I feel. I do feel like he can't play every single game, but it's the type of games where you do expect him to fill in, where he can do a good job not a right wing back anymore. You, you, you wouldn't want to be putting a Aspilicueta against a Saka or a Luis Diaz in you know, today's Premier League. But I still think he's got a role to play at Chelsea for another year at least. I do want to see him stay for another year. I don't want to look at Wednesday night's performance and base that on the Aspi that we're so used to. Because even last season, he, he played in those Champions League games. He, he, he did play in those games, if I'm not mistaken, those knockout games mm-hmm. later on against Madrid, Porto and so on. And he was he was brilliant. He's still such an experienced player. He's still a starter for Spain at times uh, under Luis Enrique. He probably will get taken on the, the plane to Qatar for Spain. So um, I think I think we should keep him for another year. But I think we should definitely build this squad around Rhys James and maybe even Levi Colwell, who may play a part next season or the season beyond that. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, like I said, I wouldn't want to see him leave. I think, you know, he's got bags of experience and whoever comes in, even for a Reese James, you know, someone like Reese James, I think he's there's a lot that he can learn from a from an Espiliqueta. Um last thing I want to say about the Arsenal game. It's almost almost um going to the wire in terms of top four. And, you know, their level on points, Arsenal-Tottenham. We're on 62 points with a game in hand at the moment. Are we in a position where if we beat West Ham, which we're going to talk about next, do you see us comfortably sitting in third for the remainder of the season? If It's a lot of ifs and buts, I feel. Um, I mean, I said that um, if we, after the Southampton the Southampton game, I thought we all felt we like we were comfortably in third. 
and then all it takes is one defeat and wins for your rivals and all of a sudden you're thinking oh shoot maybe we're not so comfortable in that third place position um for you know we might be west ham then lose to united next thursday mm. and we'll be asking ourselves the same question so i think all we've got to do now is win our games literally win our games particularly against these teams that are hovering right below us the likes of west ham united i think even more so than before this west ham game is a must must win now must must win not just for the league table, but also you look at our home for all recently and it's been abysmal. Three defeats in a row at home, 11 goals conceded in those, those, um, those, those three games. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And we are with Chelsea Football Club. We, we should be beating West Ham regardless of how good West Ham have been this season. So I think it's a must win. Must, must win. Um, I'll be even a draw. You're starting to think it will, go, it will still go down to the wire. I've actually got tickets for that game, so I'm n- more nervous than excited now for that for that one. Let's um, let's talk about mm. the lineup potentially that we might see um, on Sunday. I don't know if I've. I don't know. I mean, I, I personally would go with Chalabar as my three centre backs. I'd go with Chalabar, Silva, and Aspiaqueta. But before that. Cool I've put Kepper in goal and I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I feel like Mendy's played a lot of football, African Cup of Nations. He's played a lot of football for Chelsea as well. He has made a lot of errors during that time, but he's also pulled off some brilliant saves. And, you know, the one that sticks out for me in terms of errors at the moment is that West Ham reverse fixture, the two mistakes he made for the goal and for the penalty. Would you start Kepper on Sunday? in replace of Mendy based on current form, I suppose. And we know what Kepa's about. You know, he, he's, he's not the Kepa that we, you know, we signed or was under Frank Lampard. This is, seems like a new improved version on the two call. Would you start Kepa on Sunday? I'm in full agreement to start Kepa. I would have started Kepa at Wembley against Palace even. Um, I feel we forget that because, just because these players aren't outfield players, they still get tired, they still get fatigued. Being a goalkeeper is a very demanding position, both physically and mentally. And I think it's about time Mendy's, I'm not saying drop for the rest of the season, but he's given a break. He's given the break to reflect that, listen, I've been poor the last few games. I've been poor since I've won the African Cup of Nations or since the League Cup final against Liverpool. I need a break now. I need to just reflect on those performances. I am, Tuchel needs to make him realise that he can be dropped. And like you mentioned, Arizabalaga has been he's been brilliant this this season. He's almost been a re- renaissance for for Kepa. And um, you do wonder as well when you play the same team. When after you messed up against them previously, you do wonder if that plays on your mind. Um, maybe maybe Moyes and the West Ham players spotted a weakness in Mendy's game in that game at the London Stadium, and they might want to use that to their to their advantage once again on on Sunday. But just not even thinking about that, I would start Kepa, like I mentioned, just to give Mendy that break and to make him realise that he can be dropped and he's not a, kind of a guaranteed starter in these, ele- these starting 11s, particularly at this stage of the season when we've got two games a week. Yeah, because I think that's one of the problems. I think, you know, I remember we spoke about um, Marcus Alonso, Ben Chilwell when he was fit and it was almost that healthy, you know, rival- rivalry between the two. You know, who, who wants the, the left wing back position more? Chilwell or Alonso and if you remember at one point they were both in really good form and I think it is that competition that pushing each other to another level sometimes I feel like Mendy doesn't 
understand or realize that there is another goalkeeper that is just as good that can take his his spot, you know, in in the goalkeeping position. So for me, I'd give him the rest. I don't. I understand that he's he's you know might go against what a lot of Chelsea fans would think, but I think Kepper in this position. I think you're right. I think West Ham. If you look back to the third goal, I think it was the third goal. It's just the a position that went in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you look where he is when that ball's crossed or shot, which I think was more of a cross, but just where he was, he's, he's too far. He's, his positioning is too far out. And maybe, you know, we don't want to see a repeat performance of that. And I do think mentally those things do stay in your head as well. So Another weakness is his distribution. His distribution. Yeah. And I'm sure West Ham would have saw, you know, they saw that that first goal when he, the penalty that he gave away, they saw that his, his distribution against Real Madrid, for instance. And they'll pick up on that and they'll close him down so, so quickly. Think of Antonio and Bowen, how quickly they'll close him down and force yeah. him into a mistake, maybe a dodgy a dodgy clearance or a, a bad pass to maybe one of his defenders. West Ham will pick up on that. And I think that's something that Mendy really needs to improve. So these teams don't, you know, close him down as quickly. But um, but yeah, I think there's a few other weaknesses, but this is just me being very picky and got with goalkeepers. But Kepa, I think it's distribution. Goalkeeper, that's why I mean, goalkeeper five aside, it's very different. But um <laughs> But yeah, I think Kepa's distribution is def- definitely trumps um, Mendy's. I'd agree. What, what about the back back three and the two wing backs? Would you would you go for the traditional four at the back that we sometimes do play, or would you keep it as a, a back three? Maybe you know, two wing backs in James and Alonso. I've gone for Espiaqueta, Silva, and Chalabar. I think that's arguably our best three without Rudiger. If we were to go with a back three with the two wing backs as well, yeah, I think I'd, I'm I'm happy with that. Back five, I wouldn't, I mean, back three with the, the wing backs, I wouldn't go for a back four. I'm still having PTSD from the Brentford game where we played a back four. Um, and I think it's a bit weird that he mentioned that Christensen came off at halftime injured, but then didn't mention that he was injured in his press conference today. Um, mm. So maybe, I don't know if he's going to be in, maybe rested or just, I want to say punished for his bad performance, but dropped for that performance. So um, I'm happy with this um, this back three. You've got a mix of experience with Silva, Aspilicueta, but then you do wonder as well if Chiloba hasn't played a minute of football since the international break. Is this the right time to bring him back into the team? Obviously, he's he's shown this season that he's more than capable of playing these games. But I've got a feeling that maybe Tuchel's not as keen on Chiloba anymore, which Corey could indicate that maybe a star or a Christensen could play again in this back three. Loftus-Cheek's another option at right wing back. He's he's done well there. Maybe if he plays right wing back, he push James into that back three. That's another option. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was my my thinking as well. I mean, do we put James at right centre-back, Loftus-Cheek right wing-back? I just think, especially now with Kovacic, which is why I've got Loftus-Cheek in the midfield, Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek, for me, in midfield, would be a better partnership than maybe Jorginho and Kante at the moment or Jorginho and Sal Niguez as well. I mean, those are options, but I just think Loftus-Cheek still, for me, needs to be in a team. It's whether he's mm-hmm. at right wing-back or in midfield. But what, what would you go with if, if you had to? We, we keep James at right wing-back. Would you stick with the two in terms of Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek or would you would you swap it round and maybe have, I don't know, maybe even a Sal Niguez in midfield with, with Jorginho? I think I definitely want to play Loftus-Cheek. I think I'd rather see him in midfield than right wing-back simply because when I'm thinking of this West Ham team, the likes of Susek, um, mm. Antonio... For now's they're tall lads as well, especially Susek. And you, if you like this type of game, it's a cliche, but it'll be one in midfield in a way. And you, you'd want you know a tall physical player like Loftus Cheek to be to be there to, to try to get the ball off of Susek or whoever it may be, win those headers in midfield, win those second balls. 
So I'm kind of happy with the Jorginho Loftus-Cheek partnership. Again, maybe a good rest for Kante, but on his day, Kante, you know what he can offer. So that's another option, I think. But I think for given everything we've spoken about in this um, episode, I think it's right to play drop Kante. Maybe like maybe we would have dropped um, Mendy and played Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek in midfield. Just give me your thoughts on on Jorginho because I was having a conversation. Um, I think we kind of mentioned it ourselves earlier as well, but yesterday I was having a separate conversation around Jorginho and it's, I mean, is this the time to potentially look at cashing in on Jorginho or Kante? We, they haven't had the best of seasons. Um, I think they both have one year left in their contracts, especially Kante, I think anyway. But is this, a, is this a time where we need to start thinking maybe we sell before we, we lose on the free, which is what we've done before with a lot of players. Look at Giroud being being a, a prime example of that. Someone who still has a job to do, but he's almost, I mean, Giroud's probably not the best example because me personally, I wanted to keep him, but... Mm, we all did. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, Jorginho hasn't had the best of season, Kante as well. We probably want to bring in some new faces, maybe Conor Gallagher coming back in as well. Is this a time to sell maybe Jorginho or Kante? It's funny how we're talking about selling arguably one of the <laughs> best of midfielders in the world in Kante and supposedly the third best player in the world, Jorginho, according to the Ballon d'Or um, rankings. But um, I think should we should we the sanctions get lifted and we can go into the uh, summer transfer window and pick up a midfielder? I think I mentioned to you offline, it looks like we've made two of many our number one target. He's a lot younger than Jorginho and Kante. We've got Gallagher potentially coming back. He looks like 99% sure that he will come back and play a role next season in, um, in a, with Chelsea. But I think he'd be more kind of battening out with Mount for that position rather than maybe a Kante or a Jorginho. But it completely depends on the sanctions, whether they get lifted or whether you know, it gets to the halfway point of the summer. We still have these sanctions. I'm not sure. But it's such a difficult one. I, I think, I'm, I, like I also mentioned about many, I think... Jorginho, like I said, it looks like the, we are thinking of selling him. We might entertain bids for him from a Serie A club or so on, which is a shame in a way because it was such a kind of good kind of vibe around those three midfielders in Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho last 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 um, season when Tuchel came in. But we've seen kind of cracks in that this season. But on their day, they're world-class, but I think we're just basing it on the last couple of weeks of football we've seen from the lot. So I'm just hoping they can pick up some some performances and and make sure that they're here come come August, September time. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, I think you, you're spot on in terms of age. I think that's one of our issues. You know, you look at both of them, um, you know, uh, at the wrong side of their sort of age bracket for the role that they play, in my opinion. Um, that Yes, they can go on and play for many, many years. But I just think that the Premier League is a very intense, fast-paced league I would hate to see either of them go because I think they they are mm. they are both world class. We, we they might have that days or, or spells where they're not playing at their best, but I just think if it's at the, again if it's at the expense of someone who like we know Conor Gallagher can do a job, too many could come in and do a job, maybe not as good as them at the start, but can embed them into the team, build around those two, keep Werner Havertz as well. You look at Reese James, we've got Thiago Silva for another season. Can we keep Rudiger? You know, we, we. I mean, it's not a bad team when you look at it in that in that way. You know, if we can have a Conor Gallagher, Mason Mount just in front of him, Loftus Cheek yeah. coming off the bench. It, it. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be annoyed to see one of them go. 
Um, I think losing two would be a massive blow at the same time. Uh, you know, at the same period, I think that'd be a massive blow. Um, but I, I do think one of, I think Jorginho would probably be the one that goes, uh, I think he's, he's itching for a move back to Italy and, you know, he, he has been a very good play for us, you know, so I think I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be disheartened to see him go. I think it's probably the right time, probably the yeah. right time for him to go, in my opinion. I don't want to go into too much detail about this, but we can ask ourselves the same questions about our defence. We've got Christensen, who's supposedly signed a pre-contract with Barcelona. We've got Rudiger, where his contract situation is still up in the air and his agent's now praising Manchester United by the looks of it on, on social media. We've got Silva, who's 37, 38. Probably he's got at least, I mean, he's got one more season in him at least at Chelsea. As we don't know what's going to happen. I think before talking about midfield, we need to sort out our defence, bring at least another centre-back in. I'm still not sure about this Jules Conde kind of deal. I don't know if that's going to happen, whether he's the right fit. We've got Levi Colwell out on loan at Huddersfield, who's been superb, but no Premier League experience as well. Maybe he could benefit from a Premier League loan before coming into this Chelsea team. Mm. So there's a lot of questions to be asked this summer, but I think before that, we just need to sort out the ownership, which is something we hate to talk about on this podcast. Yeah, I know, yeah. but we, we're going we're gonna to avoid. Yeah. But no, you're right. I think, I think, you know, it all depends on the sanctions. I think, you know, we're talking that we can sign players. It could be the fact that we don't sign any players and we have to make do with the players that we've got that come back in from their loans and the players that we've currently got in the squad. But getting back to the 11 that we've got for Sunday, one of the words that I love is consistency. And, for me, it has to be Werner, Havertz, Mason Mount as a front three or Werner, Havertz with Mount just sitting behind him, um, which I feel like he, he kind of did against um, Crystal Palace, I think, at the, the last weekend. But what would your front three be? Would it be the, the three that we have now in terms of Werner, Havertz and Mount or would you potentially swap it for maybe a ZH or a Pulis? I'm not sure, but surely consistency is the, the way forward. Like I mentioned, it's a must-win game and you want your best 11 based on what you've got in the squad right now. Forget you know, with the injuries as well. So I think given that it's a must-win, you're picking your lineup based on form and consistency and the, our best three currently are Werner, Havertz and Mount. So I fully agree with you on those those front three and then maybe bringing a Ziyech or Pulisic off the bench, Lukaku even given how maybe how the game goes, but I want to be st- starting the game with those those front three that are on the screen right now. We know what we've got to do before we uh, we wrap up. We have to do the, the predictions. I feel like we haven't done predictions for a while. Um, so we're not good at it, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started off okay. I started off okay and then I went downhill, I think, um, just before the international break. But what's your predictions? I, I think I went for 2-1 earlier on today. I'm sticking with 2-1. I think I said Jorginho penalty and I think I said Havertz goal but I did say that we'll let West Ham back into the game in the second half as well yeah I've got a feeling again it's going to be a I know I said it's a must win game but I feel like we might drop points mm. I feel it's going to be a 2-2 scoreline maybe a very lot defensive mistakes again which I don't think we'll get that sorted anytime soon and I think like you said maybe a couple of times we'll let West Ham back into the game so I'm going to go with 2-2 but I want to. I want to say also two one for Chelsea, being as a Chelsea podcast, and I want to stay confident. But my heart's telling me it's going to be two two. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if we drop points. I wouldn't. Especially, it's weird because episode sixty is called Jekyll and Hyde because that's what we are at the moment. You know, we're playing really well against Southampton. Like I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, the best performance I think since 
yeah, Napoli 2012, potentially in the Champions League against Real Madrid to, to play that well. And then we, we, we come back and play Palace, do okay. But I mean, it's it was downhill. Almost Palace, there were signs there in the Palace game for me that we weren't where we needed to be in terms of our performances. But we, we can't afford to drop points against West Ham. You know, we've got... You know, Everton away will not be easy. Neither will United away. There'll be two tough games um, that we, we, we're going to have to grab six points out of them as well. I just don't know. I don't. I think we can't afford to drop any points. We have to treat every game like we're trying to win the league, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I don't agree, but we're Chelsea Football Club. We don't make we don't do do things the easy way, like we saw last season when it went down to the last game of the season where we had to rely on I think Tottenham um, yeah. beating Leicester. But we are in the Champions League in the end, so we would have qualified automatically. But I think it could be a similar kind of last week, maybe stressful day where we find out if we're top four or not well fingers crossed we don't and fingers <laughs> crossed we get three points <laughs> fingers crossed we get three points I'm, I'm confident you know I think after a defeat the way that we did against Arsenal I honestly can't see us playing um, as bad as we did I think if we if we do I'll be I'll be very surprised I think you know we um, we, ha- we have to get this right. We have to get this, the, the formation right, whether it's a back four or, you know, the three centre-backs with the two wing-backs. We have to get it spot on. I've, you know, otherwise, we could be seriously looking behind our backs, at the, the two teams that we, we, we shall not name. But we, we could potentially be looking at a, a scrap for third and fourth, which is, just, you know, crazy to me that we're even in that position. We shouldn't be. And, you know, Earlier on, I said it's these kind of games where Arsenal, you think back to November and December, the games that we drew, uh, you know, our home record hasn't been the best. You know, I think we said uh, last night or the night before that, you know, Thomas Tuchel potentially might have one of the lowest um, records at home at Stanford Bridge. I saw it ranks below Lampard, Conte, Mourinho, Sarri, a lot of our recent managers. I mean, I'm, I'm still too cool, you know, too cool. No, 100%, 100%. Trust. I, I'm leaving him 100%. I, and I, one of the things I did say again to someone was that, you know, we have to remember Thomas Tuchel hasn't really had a, a real transfer window. You know, he's only signed into, I think, is maybe Sal Niguez on loan, Lukaku. Better than <laughs> Better, I mean, better if we're going to really, yeah. Uh, he hasn't really had a, not that he hasn't had the opportunity because I'm sure, you know, he gave a list of players he wanted to, to the board. But, and not to mention the new owners, but when and if the new owners do come in, as soon as they come in, I'm pretty sure, again, there'll be conversations about who do we want to bring in, who do we want to go, if we can, without the sanctions being in place. But I think Tuchel needs to be backed heavily, I think, in the summer. Um, an assessment of the players that we currently have as well, in terms of the ones that are on loan, Conor Gallagher's, uh, Billy Gilmore, who I think I read earlier, might be going back out on loan somewhere for full, full season loan next season. Um, but those sort of plays, even Mitzi Batshuayi, we've got players that are still on loan that are still here. What, what are we going to do with them? Danny Drinkwaters, those sort of players just need, we, you know, there needs to be a massive overhaul, which we've said before um, on the podcast. It has to be that sort of clear out and focus on the core players. And like I said earlier, quality in depth, not just depth for me is the, is the, the thing that we need to focus on. Yeah, spot on. I'd agree with all that. So two 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 Theo two one for me. I think um, I'm obviously gearing towards the two one. I can't I can't not back us. Although you did say two one as well. To be fair, but um, yeah, you know we, we we've got to get a win. But 
for everyone who's been listening or watching, as you can now watch on Spotify as well, which is a good um, tool to have. So you can watch the podcast or listen to the audio version of the podcast on Spotify. So if you are doing that, please make sure you go to YouTube after this and search from the shed end, smash the like button, hit the subscribe button as well. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. And also if you see at the top of the screen, you'll see that we've got all our social handles. So YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, please make sure you give those a follow as well. We hit a thousand followers on Twitter, which is, well, we've just hit them. So I don't want to prematurely see it drop back down, but we've hit a thousand followers on Twitter. I I lose count of Instagram. I I think last time I checked, it was 6,000, maybe, maybe I've made that up. 6,200 something. It's 6,000 something, but it's, it's, it's doing well. Um, but please make sure you subscribe because that's the one that we really want to try and push now as well. Um, Theo, as always, thank you very much for joining me. Let's hope we get three points this weekend. Big games this weekend. Merseyside derby after us as well, which will be interesting. Super frank. Um, Liverpool Arsenal. Um, Manu Arsenal as well. Manu Arsenal as well. Big game. But super frank, we've got to try and hope that Everton stay up. I know this is a Chelsea podcast, but... Not on the 1st of May, though. (laughs) Not on the 1st of May, no. No, We need need to uh, hope that Goodison treats us well. And... um, yeah, we can we can get three points there. But Theo, as always, thank you very much for joining me. Episode 60 of From the Shed End podcast. Thank you all for watching and listening. Until next week, have a good weekend. We'll be back.